E4E is brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. In an effort to increase the availability and accessibility of UD expertise to Delaware's P12 educators, leaders, and policy influencers, we have invited faculty members from the University of Delaware's nine colleges to share their research. We hope you enjoyed today's critical conversation and consider ways you might be able to leverage relevant research and UD expertise to advance policy and transform practice. Hello, my name is Dr. Anastasia Pernton. I'm the Associate Director for the Partnership for Public Education. Today's guests are Dr. Rachel Karchmer-Klein, Lauren Bolden, and Dr. Maureen McDonald. Dr. Rachel Karchmer-Klein is an Associate Professor specializing in Literacy and Educational Technology at the University of Delaware. Her research explores the relationships among literacy skills, digital tools, and teacher preparation, with particular emphasis on technology-infused instructional design. Her work has been published in Reading Research Quarterly, Journal of Research and Reading, Journal of Research on Technology and Education, and The Reading Teacher. She is also the author of the book, Improving Online Teacher Education, Digital Tools and Evidence-Based Practices, which provides practical guidance to developing collaborative and interactive online learning experiences for teacher education candidates. Lauren Bolden is a digital learning resource teacher for the Caesar Rodney School District in Delaware. After using tech-integrated instruction in her middle school language arts classroom for 11 years, she transitioned into her current coaching and mentoring role, supporting digital learning across grades pre-K through 12. She co-created the district's remote learning plan in response to the pandemic and continues to design and deliver professional development sessions to support post-pandemic best practices when using digital tools. Lauren received her master's in instruction at the University of Delaware and has been an adjunct professor and instructor for various courses at both the undergraduate and graduate level. Dr. Maureen McDonald is an instructional coach for the Appaquinimic School District in Delaware. Maureen has spent 17 years as a K-12 educator. She holds a Master's of Education in Reading and a Doctoral Degree in Education Leadership from the University of Delaware. As a first grade teacher for 14 years, she is an advocate for utilizing technology in the primary grades and balancing digital tools with hands-on opportunities for learning. In part of her role as an instructional coach, she supports teachers in choosing appropriate digital tools that match learning goals and facilitate student engagement. Today, we've invited them to speak about their new book, Next Level Digital Tools in Teaching, Solving Six Major Instructional Challenges K-12. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. We thought it would be helpful to begin our conversation by discussing the motivation behind your new book. So what inspired you to write Next Level Digital Tools in Teaching, Solving Six Major Instructional Challenges, K-12? to I'll start the conversation related to that question because I think it, it began with me, just the book itself and sort of the idea of moving it forward. This is an area that I've studied and practiced and been really excited about since I was a classroom teacher. And when I worked on my doctoral studies long, long ago, I worked with a mentor who was very interested also in the intersection of literacy and technology. His name's Don Liu. He was at Syracuse University at the time. And that's where I was working on my doctorate. And we explored a lot of issues surrounding tech integration. But at that time, which was the late 90s, you know, technology was an option. It was primarily used by teachers who embraced it on their own, with their own interest in their own time. 
And throughout the years, I have to say, I've continued to, you know, explore different tools in my own use and how technology is used in K-12 instruction. And I've seen that momentum really pick up, but I've also seen the external you know, factors come into play of this transition of technology being an option to this is something that we have to do. Technology integration, it's not a fad. It's not a choice. It's not also just an emergency response to a pandemic. And so when I was thinking about how else I could help forward the field, I really wanted to do something for the K-12 space. And working with my editor at Teachers College Press, we had a conversation and I said, you know, I've done a lot in the area of teacher ed and how to prepare teacher educators and how we prepare teachers, but how, what kind of publication could I put together that was really practical, that would help teachers on a day-to-day basis, regardless of their content area or their grade level. And so as I was you know, exploring this, I was thinking, well, I've been in teaching in higher ed for 23 years. And while I have been a classroom teacher, I was outside of the K-12 classroom for a really long time. And I think it's really important for an audience to be able to relate to the people that they're, they're learning from. And so what better way to add that value and add those voices than by collaborating with people who are doing it every day. And Lauren and Maureen are the only two who um, people who popped into my mind about collaborating, given their prior experience and their current experience of using tech integration and our relationships and, and, you know, what I knew about their work. So I was really inspired to write this book for teachers, and I was really inspired to collaborate with teachers slash instructional coaches to make it as relevant as possible. And then I was lucky enough to have both of them say yes. <laughs> so Lauren and, and Maureen, what about you? What was your inspiration for, you know, saying yes to me? Yeah, I think when Rachel asked about the book, I was, uh, so I'm an instructional coach now, but I was still in the classroom during hybrid learning and all that. So still teaching first grade. And for me, being a classroom teacher, taking away the pandemic piece entirely, we were using and integrating technology a lot in our first grade classroom pre-COVID. And for me, especially with young students, seeing all that they can do if we give them the tools and the time and the instruction to do so has always been really exciting. And so I was excited to put that spin on this as a classroom teacher, especially a classroom teacher of young learners, and be able to give concrete examples of what that could look like for teachers, for professional learning. So that was what really drew me into this whole idea was being able to put all that in a space where teachers could learn from and discuss and sometimes just seeing that what other people are doing and seeing what kids can do if we give them the opportunity can be the catalyst for change in your own classroom. Much like Maureen, I spent the first half of my teaching career in the classroom in 7th, 8th grade ELA, where I spent many of my days integrating technology into my lessons and saw the benefits that came out of teaching in that way. And three years prior to the pandemic, I was in this position. I'm a digital learning coach, so I'm helping teachers in my current district integrate technology into their lessons. And It is super powerful to watch teachers and students sit down and do something 
magical with technology and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I love being that person who gets to show them that they don't need to have all kids on computers at one time, or they don't shouldn't have any computers on. There can be a beautiful blend between the two that are not only going to help students learn, it's going to help teachers in their teaching and their, their life and work balance. There's just so much positivity that could come from um, tech integration and being able to get my voice with these two amazing ladies' voices out there um, outside of my district was just such an incredible opportunity. I think jumping on what Lauren said, I think all of us are really passionate about purposeful use of technology. So moving away from like, oh, this is a really cool tool or this is how you use this tool, but really how a digital tool is used to achieve learning goals. And like Lauren said, that sometimes it's you aren't going to use a digital tool. Sometimes that's not what's best. And so it's been a really good conversation between all of us to share that really strong belief that it's the learning that matters, not the tool that you choose. So this is certainly inspirational. So I'm just wondering, who is the intended audience for your book? Well, I would say anybody who's responsible for preparing students for their, you know, 21st century lives, anyone who wants them to be college and career ready, I think the book is is written for. And what we did specifically was we had this broad goal that you don't have to necessarily be interested in technology, but you have to be inspired and recognize the important role that technology plays in people's lives. And so if you sort of meet that overall goal and that overall audience, what we did was we were really thoughtful and purposeful about how we design the book and the kinds of features that we put into the book, because it's really hard to write write anything for a very broad audience, right? Sometimes, especially when it comes to professional development for teachers, you hear that if I can't use it today, it's not really worthwhile for me, right? If it's not applicable, if it's not relatable. So what we did was we thought a lot about that. And that's one of the really cool things about having all of our different perspectives sort of mixed together was, all right, how how can we make this book how can we organize it? How can we integrate features in it that will allow people at different levels of knowledge related to tech integration utilize it? How about different content areas that they may be teaching or different grade levels that they may be teaching? So um, Lauren, what, how about you tell them a couple of the features that we included? Sure. So coming from our synergistic planning, Rachel has provided the research that's backing just the teaching behind it, tech integration, all of that, that really supports what we're trying to get across. And from there, she led us nicely into how we could or how our audience could look at this book in three different ways, how they could look at it individually, how they could look at it as a group, um, maybe perhaps as a team level or a content level band, and then how a district could approach the book. And so you could come at this book with multiple lenses and feel super confident that you're going to walk away with a question that's challenging you to forward your thinking about tech integration. 
What I think is nice in terms of our audience when thinking particularly about classroom teachers who are busy and overwhelmed, that the book is not necessarily written sequentially. So as a classroom teacher, you could think about, all right, I want to use, uh, you know, I've been wanting to use technology or I'm already using technology in the classroom, but I have a specific challenge. And you can look into that chapter and read about that specific challenge and some uh, proposed ways to uh, attack that without having to read necessarily the entire book in order. Yeah. And that's important to point out. So the at the inception of the book, we thought about and the organization, we talked to a lot of teachers. We we have worked between the three of us. We have worked with teachers all across the country, thousands of them over the years, not just in the last year and a half with, with, you know, what was going on with online teaching and learning. And we surveyed teachers and we asked them, what are the primary challenges they they confront when using technology, not necessarily in fully online environments, you know, um, hybrid environments, once in a while environments, how whatever you want to call it, whatever terms your school uses. And we selected the top six challenges that were most voiced from these teachers. And that's how we focused the chapters of the book. So as the audience reads through, and as Maureen was saying, it's not sequential in that I may be really interested in learning more about how to engage students with technology. And so I'll jump to that chapter and I can really focus on it. That's not to say I might not also be interested in, you know, what are the attributes of digital text because I have to understand how to read and write in digital environments. So I can then go back to that chapter, which is earlier in the book and really, you know, dig deeper into that information. So what I'm most proud about with the book is that organization and how it I think the features really sort of help people guide them through the thinking and give them ideas, but also give them opportunities to select what is most important to them at the time that they are engaging in whatever it is that they're doing related to tech integration. And I think that's really useful. We've also, I have to give accolades to Lauren and Maureen about the action items that we have at the end of each of the chapters. So we have individual action items, team action items, and district action items, like Lauren had mentioned there, of that can be used for professional development, PLC book talks, you could do it individually, just sort of like things to think about related to whatever it was that we covered in that chapter. We also welcome readers to then post using Twitter, Twitter hashtag, some responses in relation or in response to the questions that we pose within those action items so that they can try some of the ideas out and actually share. So again, the intended audience is anybody who would be interacting with all of this, but we do really try to provide different avenues for people to really explore it based upon what their interests are. And I think the book is very accessible to everybody. So I know as a coach, I often have um, educators who are leery about using technology. And because of our thinking, which is, you know, using tech, your learning goals come first, and then your your teaching, your pedagogy, your evidence-informed practices come next. People who are concerned about using the tech tool can see it's about good teaching first before engaging with the tool. And so we invite those who maybe are a little unsure about tech into the book. Those who are already perhaps like Maureen and I, who are using it consistently, like Rachel, using it consistently in their teaching, we offer the next 
next level step to adding your tech into your lesson? How can you level up your lesson by using certain types of tools? So I'm really excited about your book. And I just think you have been so clearly thoughtful about providing multiple avenues for anyone within the spectrum of of the school system. COVID-19 did require schools to shift to online learning delivery. And I know each of you continue to work closely with Delaware schools during this time. Rachel, as a PD provider, Lauren, as a district level digital learning coach, and Maureen, from the perspective of a classroom teacher. What did these experiences teach you about the criticality of preparing teachers to integrate technology into their instruction effectively? Well, I think that we need to recognize the place or the circumstances that surrounded COVID-19 and and the responses from schools. But what we don't want to do is focus too much on it because what was transpiring in the teaching that was taking place was a placeholder, right? During that time, that online teaching, we're not proponents of fully online teaching K-12 students at all time and every student, but it certainly served as a catalyst for increasing the use of technology during that time, during the 2020, even through now, those school years, there was an increase in the expenditures towards buying devices, providing software, providing professional development. And there, we can see a lot of, of benefits to all of that. And what we want to do, especially with, with this text, is we want to continue the momentum related to tech integration. There were also a lot of negative things related to it. We get that. But what we want to do is highlight the, number one, the importance of teaching students to be digitally literate and savvy and understanding how to think critically in digital spaces and being able to read and write in digital environments and be able to do so effectively. We really want to be able to focus on those kinds of things, not just for, you know, for school purposes, but for life purposes. So adding on to what Rachel was saying about the importance of students being able to do these things, I think for me as a classroom teacher during all of this, I'm not going to pretend, just like she said, there were definitely some negative things and I'm not going to pretend that virtual learning or hybrid learning was easy or fun all the time. But because I had been using technology as a part of my instruction very regularly as a first grade teacher, when we went virtual Again, it wasn't easy, but it's. I did have a little bit of a leg up in that situation because my students were already familiar with digital tools and how to access them and how to use them for learning purposes. And so I was able to do some things a little bit easier because my students already had that knowledge. And then as we went into hybrid learning, those students hadn't been with me before, but I had some of that background knowledge of how to integrate technology into lessons in a meaningful way and be able to address learning goals. And so I was able to kind of kick that. I had to kick it up a little bit because we were split some at home and some in school. But having that background knowledge already really did help me as a classroom teacher because I'd already been incorporating technology pre-COVID. And for me, I watched as the teachers around me had to quickly learn uh, skills that they might never have dreamed of using before. And so during the pandemic, teachers learned a lot about tools and how to use them. And now we have this amazing opportunity to keep moving forward with that. We're going to be able to enhance what they learned. And that is then going to enhance the classroom outcome as well. The one thing that I also see right now is that, like the lady said, there was a lot of stress associated with teaching during the pandemic. And so a lot of 
educators perhaps are now on the, I'm never opening a a Chromebook side or an iPad side. And then there are some, like I said earlier, who are full on, kids are glued to a computer for the whole 50 minute class period. And so it's bringing everyone again back to that center. And we have this opportunity now. Everyone is on a level playing field. Like Rachel said, the devices are in kids' hands. We have this ability to be like Maureen and just you know engage our students and get them to be 21st century learners. I want to add that something that I most definitely learned was that higher ed is doing a very poor job of preparing teachers to use technology. And this is something that has been going on for years and years. And this is something that, you know, that has been, like I had said, has been really important to me. I I opened this podcast up talking about how like way back when, when I was teaching and I was in my doctoral program, we were studying about tech integration. Well, you could look at the questions that I was looking at in 1999. They're the same questions that I'm looking at now. How do we get teachers to integrate technology more effectively? How do we prepare them to teach students to read and write effectively in digital environments? They're the same questions. One thing, and and to connect back to what we're saying now, I don't want to say everyone has a device, but accessibility is not necessarily the digital divide. It's the the digital divide, as the actually U.S. Department of Ed says, the the new digital divide is whether or not teachers are prepared to provide students with really engaging, effective experiences with technology. And so as someone in higher education, that is the lens that I want to really focus on because I think that we need to build those skills. And if technology is integrated into methods courses and not standalone courses, which they should be, they should be context-based, we need to make sure that our faculty are prepared to do do so effectively, to model it effectively, that our student teaching placements have technology so that our students have the opportunity to practice. And as overall, higher ed just has to do a much better job of preparing new teachers and practicing teachers to use technology. So what does effective technology integrated planning and instruction look like? So in effective technology integrated planning and instruction looks like the following. First, you need to prioritize learning goals. That is the most important part of teaching. What are you going to be teaching your students? Next comes your evidence-informed practices. What pedagogy are you using to get your students to reach those learning goals? And once you figure those two things out, then you can question whether or not a digital tool is appropriate for the task. It's not always going to be appropriate. We like to think of tech integration being on a continuum where sometimes you are tech-free and sometimes you are fully integrated with tech, but you're oscillating back and forth each and every day. It's not all or nothing. I'll add to that. We use the term evidence-informed practices in our book because there is a dearth of research that of statistically significant findings that technology leads to more effective student learning. And so... Because research is behind, there is this debate, right, of should we be using the technology if we don't have the research studies to to back up how it's being how it's being used in the classroom. And so my approach, as well as other people's approaches, other researchers have been, I look at what we know about evidence-based learning practices, things that have a strong foundation, 
different practices, such as think-alouds, case-based instruction, reciprocal teaching, different practices that we know work when it comes to teaching and learning in whatever situation, face-to-face situation, pen and paper, pencil paper. And then what I think about is how can I leverage the attributes of a digital tool to engage students in that practice? So how can I use technology to create a digital think aloud as opposed to just an oral think aloud when I'm working with my students or when I'm modeling for my students? So everything in our book is built upon evidence-informed practices. And I think that's a feature of the text that's really important to all of us, especially since teachers are required to use evidence-based practices when they are designing their instruction. So as Lauren was talking about, we always start with our learning goals. What are we trying to teach? Many times in professional development, the focus is on the teaching tool right? This new glitzy, glam, you know, glamorous PowerPoint slide or whatever that might be that they, that they want to use a new cool tool that they learned about and then figuring out how it works within, it can fit within the, into the instruction. Instead, what we say is figure out what it is that you want to teach. Think about what are the best practices that you can use or that you want to use to teach your students that content. Think about your students' needs, think about the access, think about what kinds of materials you have in that classroom, and then you can select a technology, a technological or a non-technology tool to design your instruction. So, What digital tools should teachers use to supplement their teaching? Well, we had a lot of conversations about this, and our collective thought is that Before you can select an appropriate tool, there are several things that you have to consider. Number one being, what are the attributes of digital text? So our book goes into much more depth than I'll go on right here. But digital text is the mode in which we interact with in a digital space with our digital tools. So I've written a lot about this in other areas. There are differences and similarities between traditionally printed text, you know, that we write in a traditionally print-bound book, and then digital text that we interact with, for example, on the internet. Briefly, though, there are the attributes that we need to consider first. Digital text is multimodal. Right. So we have written language that we use that we we interact with when we're in a digital space. But we also have oral language like we are using right now as we're recording this podcast. We have images. We can have static images as we do in a regular book, you know, one dimensional picture. But we also have moving images in a digital space. Right. They could be GIFs or they could be video. We also have nonlinearity meaning that when we read a traditionally printed book, we read left to right. In in the English language, we read left to right, top to bottom. However, in a digital space, a creator, a composer can create a text that actually follows any sequence. And as a consumer, as a reader of that digital text, we have to understand that. We have to understand that the author might not want us to start from the top and go left, right, top to bottom. That picture down on the right-hand side might hold as much cognitive load, as much information as the written words that are up on the top left-hand side of, of the digital page. There's also global communication, the ability to collaborate and interact using digital tools that 
it's an attribute of it that we need to consider the audience awareness that we must have when we type an email and we send it off or we type a blog post or we record a podcast and someone somewhere else in a whole different cultural space is going to listen to this? Are they going to understand what we're talking about in the same way that we are intending? And so all of those attributes are really important for us to think about and to consider when we're thinking about the selection of the tool, because each tool has a different combination of those. So it's really important as a teacher that we understand what those are, what they mean, and really delve into them. Um, Something else is that when we teach our literacy courses and we teach foundational reading skills, we don't teach those skills. We, We teach phonemic awareness, we teach phonics, vocabulary, fluency, all with traditionally printed text, um, static text. We don't teach kindergartners and first graders and second graders about nonlinearity. We don't teach them about multimodality and what does it mean when this image holds more comprehension and more meaning than the written word. Okay. So, because of that, teachers are not prepared to effectively teach students how to utilize digital tools when we look at these different attributes. And our students, while they may seem to know how to use all of these things, and Lauren always calls them their they're not digital natives, but they're what is the term you always use? They're social digital natives. They're social digital natives. So they can interact with these tools, but they don't necessarily understand or think critically about how to utilize all these different attributes. And so we must understand and we must be recognized and be aware of all of them in order to select the best digital tool. Is it good for, do we want our students to be able to include images in what they're creating for us. If so, then I have to pick a tool that allows for that. Would it be really helpful to have a digital think aloud in response to this math assignment? Would it be good for them to be able to do a digital think aloud and be able to include their their voice to be able to orally explain their how they're solving an equation in addition to just recording, you know, their writing and how they do that? And if that's important, then I need to be able to select a tool that allows for that. So one of the primary features and one of the chapters that we have actually the first chapter in the book is dedicated to talking about the attributes of digital text. And I think when it comes to Rachel was just talking about like selecting, actually selecting the digital tool, as we've all mentioned throughout the book, talk about the importance of starting with a learning goal and evidence-informed practices. But at some point, if you're choosing to use technology, you need to actually choose the tool you're going to use and start thinking about that. And so we really, uh, one of our chapters is how do I select the best digital tools for the task? Um, We kind of take readers through some questions you can ask yourself as you are looking at digital tools. So if you've got your your learning goal and your evidence-informed practice, and now you're looking at a specific tool, asking yourselves questions about access. Are students going to be able to work with the device that they have? Do you need to get other devices? Do you need microphones? Do you need headphones? All those access type questions. Do your students already know how to use this tool? And is teaching them the how the how-to part of the tool going to take too much away from the actual learning? I know as a first grade teacher, I always thought about tools that I could use for multiple purposes, um, because if I was going to spend the time to teach them ins and outs of it, I wanted it to be something I could use for lots of instructional goals. 
And so thinking about how much time it's going to take to teach the students the attributes of that digital tool, thinking about accommodations students might need and whether or not they're going to be able to access the learning material using the tool that you have. And so it's not really so much linear as it is cyclical, because as you ask yourselves these questions, you're going to need to be keep continuing to keep going back to what your learning goal is and what your practices are. And perhaps you're saying, never mind, this tool's not good. I'm going to think about another one. Or perhaps you're saying, never mind, a digital tool is not best in this situation. I'm going to go back to my non-tech idea because that's going to better suit the needs of my students. That sounds tremendously helpful. (laughs) This conversation has been wonderful. And I want to ask you one last question, which is, what message do you want your readers to take away from your book? My response to to that would be that technology integrated instruction isn't an isolated activity. We talked about this a lot and that it's a team sport. And that I think that we model that in our book about the importance of having the different perspectives to come in and to really think about how do we prepare teachers, professional development perspective, the coaching perspective, the classroom teacher perspective, the individual, the team, and also the district level. All of those different things all brought in together is something that I would really like readers to, to glean from the text and to understand that technology facilitates that collaboration. And we like them to readers to use the text in that way as well by joining in on our Twitter feed and and our hashtag and, and like keeping the conversation going. That's what I would like. I think another message we really tried to hit home in our book is that there's a balance between technology or digital and non-digital tasks. None of us are advocating, as Lauren said earlier, to sit kids in front of an iPad for seven hours. Um, And so making sure that teachers are making thoughtful decisions about the technology they're using in their classroom and with their students. And so there's a need for understanding technology integration, what it is, what it's not, um, so that teachers can make the best decisions for their students as they plan their instruction. I would say it's this idea that utilizing technology definitely has to be meaningful. Um, We have so much available to us now, but we need to know the right time to use it. And also the fact that the three of us joke all the time that we're all in this together. And I really believe Rachel was talking about that before. We are all in this together. This book is here to help guide you using our hashtags that we can write back to our readers with and help guide them even further on their integrating technology journey is something we look forward to participating in. And also knowing that sitting with your team or your content level and talking about these things are only going to help you grow and getting your district level to engage in um, thoughtful conversations as well is going to keep moving this task forward so that our students are truly engaging, becoming engaged 21st century learners. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'd like to thank Lauren and Rachel and Maureen for being here with us today and for discussing their book. And I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to help promote it. Thanks for having us here. Thanks so much. Yeah. so much. For more information about Next Level Digital Tools and Teaching, Solving Six Major Instructional Challenges K-12, our guests' upcoming presentations on digital tools and teaching, or Dr. Rachel Karchmer-Klein's work, please visit our website, udell.edu backslash PPE and navigate to E4E podcast or follow the link in this episode's description. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of E4E brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. For more information about the work being done by the Partnership for Public Education, please visit our website at www.udel.edu backslash PPE.